0: He he started off uh, using Stumble upon creating the hugely popular video, What is Bitcoin? Sold those rights, is now at Ripple as one of the early folks, uh, now as a CTO. The team's well over 170 people. They've raised 94 million bucks to really be the Zapier or the pipelining for kind of the blockchain based global payments, uh, or maybe really a solution for global payments on the blockchain in the enterprise. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global
1: domination. We just broke our 100000 unit sold mark.
0: And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you wanna get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer counts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing though, this that database, Hello, everyone. My guest today is Stefan Thomas. He's the CTO of a company called Ripple. He's also the producer of the popular What is Bitcoin video and the founder of the largest website for novice Bitcoin users, WeUseCoins.com. He created a set of open source Bitcoin libraries called Bitcoin.js, which today are maintained and used by Bitcoin businesses of all sizes, including BitPay, Blockchain.info, BitAddress, CoinPunk, and others. Stefan, are you ready to take us to the top?
1: Oh yeah. You sound like
0: you sound like the James Bond of crypto when I read that bio.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy. Like I got into crypto seven years ago, and so it's almost like become my life now. So, but it's pretty cool.
0: The What is Bitcoin video? How many views did it get?
1: Um, So it's it's up to about 10 million views total. There are two versions, um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of split between the two versions. Now,
0: you joined Ripple, and when you did that, you just told me you sold the rights to basically that concept to somebody else. So we'll talk about that in a second. But first, um, you know, I've had a lot of people from Bitcoin or from kind of the crypto world on the show. The biggest struggle is always helping the common man or woman understand crypto. In your opinion, I mean, you're the guy that did this to the tune of 10 million views. Why is it so difficult for just the average person like me to understand?
1: yeah i think it's, it's because it's so new and different compared to how the financial system used to work um, i think we're used to trusting authorities we're used to having institutions that are sort of run by people um that are managing these these systems and i think with with blockchain or with um you know digital currencies i think the the difference is that it's more algorithms and you're trying to trust more the network as opposed to one particular institutional or organization
0: so just here's your chance to bring the common man up to date in your opinion, opinion describe what is crypto so everyone can understand it or or blockchain
1: well so blockchain has had a number of different definitions the one that i use is that it's a shared ledger Um, so it's essentially um, you you know a book that a bunch of people can write into and a reference and so you can use it for a number of different things you can use that to track property transfer property Um, you could also um, you know use it to track titles or record events notarize things so there's all kinds of things you can do with a shared ledger like that
0: And are those different utilities, like why an Ethereum token might get popular or why Litecoin gets popular or why some other kind of coin would get popular?
1: Well, I think you know, with any use case for any technology, you have to think about you know what, how does it actually make the world a better place, and how does it actually benefit people? And so, you know, I think with a lot of these coins that we're seeing, you know, that question is a little bit uh, dubious. And so, um, I think you really have to look at each individual uh, instance and really understand you know why are they using the technology and how is it benefiting them, or is it just an easy way to raise a bunch of dumb money?
0: Before we talk about how you sold the right system, I'm curious how you bundle something like this and sell it before you move on to Ripple. Um, I'm going to ask you a polarizing question for a second. So a lot of folks that come on, uh, they talk about kind of the advantages of crypto. You can't really regulate it because there isn't a one you know location it resides in right there's no authority figures um this makes it great for things like crime terrorism you know kim jong-un funding nuclear warheads through some back channel stuff no one can track but it also is great there's a lot of advantages right which 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 i think people know well uh, in your opinion is there a way to curb like if we had to choose between you know kim jong-un funding north korea because he has so many sanctions he can't make money using weird back channel stuff related to crypto and he's using it to fund nuclear warheads versus kind of bringing the middle class to a point where they have control, total control, no authorities over their kind of their finances. Can you have one of those, or do you have to have, do they both come together?
1: So it's actually interesting because, you know, I would have probably given you a very different answer, you know, six years ago. Um, the way I think about it nowadays is that um, what's actually more interesting than the blockchain shared ledger idea is this idea of interoperability between ledgers. Um, so you know nowadays we focus on a project called Interledger, which is essentially a protocol that can tie different ledgers together. Is this at Ripple? Um, that's uh, well ripples one of the contributors um, it's an open project that, that that's happening at the w3c um. Uh, W3C is a World Wide Web Consortium, which is the standards party for the web. Um, so basically, you know, the way I would answer your question with this sort of new context is that um, interoperability is, is you know, doesn't affect how your compliance works, right? So just the fact that you can interact with other ledgers doesn't change how your particular ledger enforces compliance. And so, um, you know, for instance, if you're have a, if you using a bank or if you're using PayPal or something, like that their compliance would still apply and it would still work the same way. Um, so I think that, you know, with what I'm focused on now, um the answer is a little bit different than what it would be for blockchain
0: but i mean isn't that the whole point of crypto so you don't have to be tied to these like traditional institutions and their regulations
1: well, I mean, that might have been the point initially, I think that, you know, a lot of people that were in crypto have sort of gotten a little bit, um, you know, tired of, you know, waiting for it to go mainstream and even more, year after year after year. And so I think a lot of us have sort of started to look at how does the financial system actually work? What are the real problems? Um, you know, Bitcoin has had some issues this year where um, the transaction fees went up to several dollars. And I remember when I made the What is Bitcoin video, the whole point was that we showed the really low transaction fees. Fees. Um, And so, you know, if it doesn't provide an end benefit for the user, then what's the point? You know, and so I think a lot of people have started to look at, you know, can we actually get what we want, which is the sort of completely frictionless, censorship resistant kind of movement of money um, without having uh, to rely on some of these clunky shared ledgers. Interesting, all right,
0: Ripple, tell us about that. Well, first off, you sold the rights to this thing. I mean, what did you actually sell? Like the name, the video, the IP?
1: Yeah, so you know, I was running We Use Coins for a couple years until I think 2013, um, and at that point I was already working at Ripple. And so it became more and more weird that, you know, someone was working at Ripple, was running the largest sort of Bitcoin, uh, you know, fan site, if you will. And Why uh, is that we- weird? I thought
0: it'd be an asset
1: yeah well i mean like obviously we could have used to like use it to badmouth bitcoin or something but obviously that wouldn't have been uh, the right thing to do so um it was just a conflict of interest and so i decided the best thing to do would be to hand it off to somebody who was really into bitcoin and really interested in it um and so i, I sold it to a company that was uh, basically very invested in bitcoin
0: did you make a lot of money from it
1: no uh, not compared to not, not by bitcoin standards let me say <laughs>
0: more more or more or less than your annual salary at ripple Ah, uh, less. okay. Got it. All right. So tell me about ripple. What does ripple do? And what's your role there?
1: Um, so I'm CTO. I'm responsible for our technical vision. I do a lot of, um, you know, managing our architecture, but also our open source engagements, standards engagements. Um, and, uh, yeah, I try to make sure that we, you know, stay ahead of the curve.
0: So where do you see, like, like, give me a real example. Tell me the real, a real story of a customer using you or someone who's using you just so that my listeners can try and relate.
1: Yeah, so our customers are all banks, um, and so the way that it usually uh, works is that uh, banks will license our technology, our software. This employees.
0: is why your perspective has changed. Now it's all clicking.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> it's actually the other way around. My perspective changed, and that's why I moved to Ripple. Got I it. You know, it's very hard to get millions of people to abandon, you know, the, the technologies and the, the, the relationships that they're used to um, in exchange for something that that no one's using yet, right? And so um, you can actually get most of the benefits of this technology um, without changing too much about how financial institutions work. Um, you know, the financial institution, you know, whatever the reputation might be, especially smaller banks, are actually very much interested in, in acting in their customers' interest. It's only a very few, very large banks that are kind of hindering this process um, and so by giving the smaller banks the the tools they need to interoperate with lots of other banks without having to go through these huge hubs um, you can actually enable a lot of competitiveness in this market and so that's one thing that we're very interested in is like creating that efficiency by creating competition um, you, you asked one question about like how does it our actual integration look what, what does our product actually look like so um yeah like becomes, name a
0: bank and name a bank you're working with
1: yeah so scb for example what is it oh silicon valley bank no that's uh cm commercial bank in thailand
0: cm commercial bank in thailand okay and your website says the world's only enterprise blockchain solution for global payments so how do they use you
1: so they are um, licensing our technology, and then another company called SBI Remit in Japan is also licensing our technology. So they've come together and they've created a partnership where people in Japan, there's about 45,000 uh, Thai people that are living in Japan, expats, and they need to send money back to Thailand. And so they can use this service to send money back at, the, at a tenth of the cost that it was before.
0: Interesting. And so, and you're saying, what you're saying here is you've taken something you like about the crypto world, which is the blockchain ledger, and applied that concept to something that is a little more mainstream, which hopefully speeds up adoption.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's the blockchain, but then it's also, again, this concept of interoperability protocols. Um, We're taking um, most of our inspiration there from the internet. The internet is actually um, a system where each part can evolve almost independently. Um, so if I, for example, want to change how my web server works or how, how my browser works, um, I can do that and I can add to the protocol and I can modify it. And so that makes the system very innovative. And so one of the problems that, that I ran into both when I was involved with Bitcoin, but also now that I'm involved with Ripple is that when you have these sort of huge public shared ledgers, um, it's very difficult to make changes. And also it's very difficult to serve the huge diversity of use cases between different users. Mm-hmm. So you'll have one person that needs um, you know really high performance micropayments, and they don't care so much about security because it's all micropayments, so who cares? And then you have another user that has sort of this, um, you know, uh, they're doing you know, intergovernmental um, transactions, and so um, they they need a totally different kind of system. And so you have sort of these different customers that are all trying to use the shared ledger, and they're sort of at odds with each other. So I think what we're seeing is that these sh- shared ledgers are getting smaller and smaller. You see all these new coins coming out. You see people like IBM talking about private blockchains. And so we think the real challenge and the real interesting technology is going to be in the un- interoperability between all these systems and again not just blockchain but also central edges because sometimes that's the best solution
0: so so, okay Stefan, that makes sense what about i mean look the reason ibm is thinking about their own solution and that you're kind of seeing fragmentation is that they each have their own kind of use cases they 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 want to use this technology for for competitive reasons so it sounds like what you're doing kind of makes it easy for money to go through you know interoperability through those different fragmented pieces but the reason again that happened in the first place was to you know, for a specific use case. So like, h- how do you focus on what to do and what to integrate with?
1: Well, so I think for us, like even just focusing on payments has been a huge benefit. So a lot of the other blockchain companies that you see, they talk about hundreds of different use cases. You know, I think on the Hyperledger Project website, there's like 144 use cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a result, you know, if you have 144 use cases, you might as well have zero. It's very mm-hmm. difficult to to actually achieve any, any traction in any of them, uh, create any network effects and so on. And so for us, like just focusing on payments, which is sort of the underlying thing for for any kind of asset movement. So whether you're doing things with stocks or whether you're doing things with with loans or whether you're doing things with trade finance, there's always payments involved. Um, And so that's been sort of our ideal insertion point um, from from that perspective. And so we've been very focused with that. And then within payments, you can kind of look at, well, there's domestic payments, there's high value payments, low value, um, there's global like cross-border payments, remittances, corporate payments. And so we've kind of focused in on the cross-border part because that's the more difficult part. I think domestic payments in in many cases are already um, you know working pretty well, um, and then uh, you know within cross-border is sort of the you know, cross system. So like. You can send from one bank to another, but can you send from a bank to a mobile money system? Um, so there's also kind of uh, you know big gets that you can get by tying these different kinds of providers together that might not know how to work with each other yet. So
0: this is like, I mean, in tech terms, we can think of this almost like a Zapier or an if this, then that for kind of global payments and, and the current fragmentation that exists. It's like the pipeline between the two.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think like today, when you do, let's say you're corporate, right? So let's say you're, you know, Samsung and you're trying to make a payment, um, you know, we will have failure rates on the order of, you know, six to 10 percent just from, you know, wrong details for the recipient. So the payment will fail. Um, You won't have any visibility. So once you've sent a payment to your bank, your bank will have no idea what's happened with it. They will not be able to tell you if it's gotten there, what status is, how many days it's going to take. So they will have no information for you. They won't be able to tell you what the fee is going to be up front um they might not even be able to tell you what the fee was afterwards because some of the banks on the receiving side might have paid some of it um and so it's just an incredibly transparent system and we wouldn't tolerate that in the space of social media so why the hell do we tolerate it in the space of finance
0: so how did this japanese bank? what do they pay you how does ripple make money
1: so we basically charge licensing fees for our software so we basically what's that um, on average i can't tell you what the what the what the fee structure is are are we
0: talking like a dollar or a million dollars like what what, what's the
1: it really depends on the customer right so like you know we have everything from very small banks to to some of the largest banks in the world such as uh, Mitsubishi ufj financial group is uh, i think the fourth largest bank in the world um largest bank outside of china and so um
0: what's the licensing fee based off what volume metric are you looking at
1: um, so the fee is based largely off of the volume that the bank does through our system. Um, and also like we might adjust the fee depending on, um, you know, how strategic we think the bank is. So if there's a bank that really adds value to our network, uh, we might um, you know, help them out.
0: So is it a percentage of volume going through or is it a flat fee?
1: Um, there's usually a flat fee component and a, a percentage component. Right? Interesting.
0: And then what's Ripple at today? What, what year did it launch and what is it at today in terms of team size?
1: So I think we're at 170 people now, um, and that's, uh, you know, still largely engineers, uh, a lot of sales to, to kind of work with the banks, um, a lot of integration people, and then just sort of every every other function.
0: And self-funded, or, or have you guys raised capital?
1: Um, so we raised uh, 94 million dollars through sort of vc funding um and then we also sell some of the digital asset xrp Mm -hmm.
0: and were you there it sounds like you joined maybe after it was launched but maybe still early enough because you have a pretty meaningful role i mean are you you, do you consider yourself part of the founding team
1: yeah that's a tough question i I joined before the company was incorporated Uh, my first paycheck still came from chris's previous company (laughs) uh, from their paypal account and so Um, I I do count myself sort of as part of the founding team. Well, true or
0: false, you have equity in the company. I have equity. Okay, you're, you're basically a founder, right? CTO with equity, done guys big news last month was a huge month for the company i recently acquired which was www.thetopinbox.com i liked the company so much when i met the person who created it it lets you send emails later on gmail set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened it's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I wanna tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal All right, very cool. Um, Let's wrap up here, Stefan, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book?
1: So my favorite business book would be Draw to Win. Um, And basically, the reason is that it's a um it's incredibly useful skill to be able to communicate visually so you know we all know about the famous silicon valley napkins um so i think the ability to be able to sketch something really quickly and and draw has probably impacted my business life any more than any other productivity advice or anything else that i've read so it's got to be draw to win
0: number two is there a ceo you're following or studying right now
1: yeah. So um, there's actually somebody that I'm meeting later today that um, I think is very interesting. Um, he's not, you know, particularly in the public eye. His name is Thomas McLeod. Um, he started this company called Omni. Um, and uh, it's basically a company where you can store things um, you know instead of having them at your house you can store them but it's unlike a traditional storage unit they actually deliver it to your place they kind of index everything they take pictures of everything it's searchable um, and there's a lot of cool stuff that they're doing about like you can have other people borrow your stuff and they're thinking about even more than that so it's a very exciting company um they've launched in san francisco so if you're in san francisco check it out
0: yeah they um, got on my radar a while ago because i was thinking about different businesses where you can basically combine atoms plus bit you know like bits and because that's that's what makes uber work it's to make airbnb work like physical assets and one of the things i said oh my god people are putting basically hard assets they're not using in the forms of atoms in these storage containers they're paying for it and they just sit there you could make that a huge marketplace and make money on both ends and i, I thought that was a brilliant idea and then someone says nathan you got to check out this guy named thomas at omni this is like two three years ago so i'm a big fan of what they're doing i've been watching closely i hope that's a fun meeting
1: yeah so i got to meet him a, a while ago um and it's just like one of the people that's most impressed me in, in recent times so that's my choice
0: that's awesome number three is there a favorite online tool you have like acuity scheduling
1: so there, there's one particular tool that um i will recommend just because uh, people maybe may not have thought of it in this context, which is stumble upon. Um, So this is something that I use not when I'm running a company, but in between companies. Um, It's the best way that I know to uh, really think about new ideas. So it's basically a website where you click a button and it'll pick a random website for you. And um, the greatest thing about it is not that it picks websites that are tailored to your interests. That's what they try to do, but they kind of fail, which is good, because it shows you websites you wouldn't have otherwise gone to. And so literally, I would spend hours each day you know stumbling onto website after website after website and that's actually how i found out about bitcoin and so you know most of my you know success is, has been dependent on stumble upon you know giving me this idea really early on so that's why you know if you're between companies you don't know what what your next company is going to look like spend a couple hours stumbling that's that's my best, best advice.
0: <laughs> i love that number four how many hours of sleep do you get every night
1: yeah so that varies a lot and i was actually thinking about that question because like i'll have phases where you know i sleep the full eight hours like you're supposed to um and then i'll have phases where i sleep like three hours on average so um there's really not one answer it depends on you know what's going on all right and uh
0: number five here what's your situation married single you have kids
1: uh i'm single and happily so Um, i think it's like if you're you know doing this kind of work where you know your company is taking up all of your time um i don't know if i would want to expose any spouse to that i think it's better to 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 sort of get it out of your system and then um you know change your life
0: spoken like a true startup addict right it'll change one day after i just get it out of my system but the truth is it will never leave your system (laughs) how old are you stefan i'm sorry how old are you i'm 30 all right last question take us back 10 years what do you wish your 20 year old self knew
1: see now i want to know what what the question is if someone's 20
0: well i say i say i rarely have someone on that's 20 so taking back to when you were 10 what do you wish your 10 year old self knew
1: (laughs) um so it's actually kind of funny because you know i've been very fortunate in my life and so there's actually very little advice i would give myself i would say maybe um, I would maybe share some of the things I've learned about, um, you know, discipline and, uh, you know, time management, things of that nature, um, because I think I've wasted a lot of time that, that I didn't need to waste. I procrastinated a lot that I didn't need to need to do. Um, and I think that my top three sort of advice there is one, you know, schedule these one-hour blocks where you work like 45 minutes, 50 minutes, and then you take a 10-minute break and just literally put them on your calendar, even if it's, you know, there's no meeting with anyone. You're just putting it on your calendar there so you know that during that time you're going to work you're not going to do email you're not going to go check Facebook etc um, so that's number one number two is um, you know, clean up your space and separate your spaces. So basically, have one place in your apartment. If you have hopefully a, a, a large enough apartment, but I have a studio apartment, I could still make this work, which is have one area where you work, one area where you entertain yourself, one where, area where you eat, and try to keep those separate. Don't eat in front of the computer. Don't, you know, uh, play on the same computer to use for work. Like, try to separate things out a little bit um, because that really helps your brain get in the right context quickly um, as you're moving around. Um, and then the third, advice for um for discipline is when you're procrastinating something so let's say there's something that you um you know know you should do but you're not doing it and you're sort of thinking about how I should be doing this but I'm not um kind of picture the positive impact if you do do it and picture the negative impact if you don't do it and feel free to exaggerate um because like our reptilian brain is very you know visual and it's it's you you'd be surprised how much you can actually accomplish and how much drive you can give yourself just by tricking your reptilian brain into these fake realities. So those would be my three. There you guys away. have
0: it from Stefan. Make sure batching is something you do, separate your spaces, and learn how to brainwash yourself. I'll just say what it actually is. Brainwash yourself. He uh he, he started off uh using stumble upon, creating the hugely popular video What is Bitcoin? Sold those rights, is now at Ripple as one of the early folks, uh now as a CTO. The team's well over 170 people. They've raised ninety four million bucks to really be the zapier or the pipelining for kind of the blockchain based global payments uh so or maybe really a solution for global payments on the blockchain in the enterprise so stefan thank you so much for taking us to the top
1: thank you